Uh, what a treat to be here with you in Oakland. I, I count it a privilege to be with your pastors. I love how normal they are. Every year I come, I say that, or whenever I can. I remember the first time I came here, I thought, man, thank you, Jesus. It's so good to find preachers that are normal. Hallelujah. <laughs> And, uh, uh, and, and the destiny on this house, you know, every time I come in here, it hits me again, just the words that were spoken over your church over the years. Uh, this is a season of performance of all those things that were told you of the Lord. You know, this is not a season to draw back. This is not a season to be weak. This is a season to get wild. I've never seen a runner, when they see the finish line, slow down. Oh, there's the finish line. I think I'll chill. No, no, no. There's an acceleration. And, and we're, as we come together right here before the coming of the Lord, we, we have great joy, great strength. Uh, your strength is tied to your joy. So the devil is just trying to make everybody freaked out. But no, you're not moved by anything. That's what Paul said. He said, I long to be with you that I might impart some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. The word established there is made to stand. So he doesn't want us wishy-washy. He wants us strong in the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? He never said be strong. He said be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Hallelujah. So we're so blessed. I know it's a crazy time. Well, what's going on? But in the midst of it, I think I did Zoom meetings with, with businessmen that were not even born again that had questions about end times. I was supposed to be in Paris. I did Paris uh, via uh, internet. I did uh, Ireland internet, did England internet. I mean, it's amazing. There was one Sunday, I think I preached in five different countries and I never left my house. So the, the devil's a liar. Amen. Come on. So it is bizarre, but you know, the Bible says this is what we would see. So it shouldn't surprise us, shouldn't shock us. And over the years, even preaching on end times so much, I've tried to, every church, bring the thread of, of Elisha. Remember, Elisha was dead. He had done almost double of what Elijah did. He was one miracle short of Elijah. And he's in that grave, and his bones are in that grave. They throw that army guy in there that was dead, and he's raised from the dead. I mean, how crazy. They knew what dead looked like, so he's gone. He gets around the bones of Elisha. That's pretty cool. That's absorption. That's pretty neat that you could have the life of God absorbed into your bones to the point that someone's dead gets near those bones and they're raised from the dead. Well, this morning, you don't have absorption. He's in you. Yeah. I think I'll say that again. You don't have absorption. He dwells in you. So, so you should be careful walking by cemeteries. <laughs> Much less being nervous about COVID. You should be cautious getting too close to cemeteries. You might start raising people up. Now, that sounds crazy, but if under the Old Testament you could have that much life involved, how much more in the New Testament when, when Jesus lives in you? So, man, and we'll get into all the stuff that's going on. There's stuff that happened last week, stuff that happened the week before that I thought, well, I wouldn't see that. I'm seeing it. Stuff uh, four weeks ago, I thought I wouldn't see that. I'm seeing it. So event after event after event that are literally uh, coming to pass to show you Jesus is just about to come. And remember when Gabriel was telling Daniel all the details of the tribulation, how ominous it would be uh, for the earth those last seven years before the second coming of the Lord. Uh, uh, Daniel got kind of overwhelmed and Gabriel said, don't worry, the ancient of days will prevail. He'll have a kingdom that there'll be no end to it. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful that we know the end of the book? Think about people that you know that don't know what you know. Come on, you, you've been taught so well who you are in Christ. You've been taught so well that you're not laboring to get God's approval. You have His approval. I mean, people are freaking out. Much less, I mean, word people are freaking out. No, this is a time not to be moved. I mean, just be wild for God. Hallelujah. See, it gets quiet when you say that. I think I'll say it again. In other words, uh, just, uh, this is what we'll get into this whole time. Well, Colleen and I are getting married. You know, uh, years ago when we got married, I remember I was walking down there to get set up, you know, where she's going to come walking down the aisle. It would have freaked me out if Colleen's walking down the aisle. Oh, my God. There he is. I'm going to marry that guy. Another one bites the dust. No, I wouldn't want her depressed the day we're going to get married. I mean, how many of you were excited the night before you got married? 
Right, and that, that anticipation, that's what the Lord wants in the church. Yeah, exactly. Not, not doom and gloom, but ex- excitement. If you weren't excited the night before you got married, you might have made a mistake. Come on. Well, that went over real good. Now, just for, for, for any of you that might be wondering where we're going today, we're going to preach the truth. The truth is you're free. Hallelujah. The truth is the greater one lives in you. We were talking about last night, John Lake, you know, the bubonic plague was killing everybody. And they were like, how in the world are you not dying? How in the world are all the people you're around, your workers not dying? He said, well, I'll tell you what it is. He said, the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from the law of sin and death. He's functioning from a superior law. He said, well, okay, go get the bubonic plague, put it on the microscope. He said, I'll touch the edge of the microscope. And they did it and the, the plague died. It didn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen automatically. He gets in front of the mirror every morning and says, God lives in this man. God lives in this man. You're a mobile throne. This morning, God likes mobile homes. So you're a carrier of that. We're going to get to heaven. We're going to see the throne. We're going to see the rainbow. I mean, just the, the, uh, the overwhelming joy of being in the presence of our dad, the ominous of uh, his voice thundering and lightning, and, and he's going to go, oh, this was in you everywhere you walked on the earth. That's reality. Now, now you've got to teach yourself that because what, what's being put on people is that you can't uh, succeed. No, you're victorious. You're not trying to be victorious. Oh, man, I might give the devil a black eye today. I can feel it already. Come on. Woo, here we go. Elvis is in, in the building. Here we go. Let's pray, and let's get right into the Word. We've got a lot to cover. So, Lord, we love you today. We're amazed that you died for us. We're in awe that you let yourself be beaten for us. So, Lord, we, we've gathered today because we, we want to hear from heaven. We thank you for your words that strengthen us, set us free. We're amazed at what you left us 2,000 years ago when you were raised from the dead. Help us demonstrate the resurrection. Help us demonstrate that death could not hold you down. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. This hour, just before the catching away of the church, we're, we have great joy and great strength and great, great gladness of heart to do the will of God. Every person in this room, Lord, help them finish their course with joy. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Turn there to Matthew 24, and I'll give you a couple of stories here before we get to Matthew 24. This year, you know, things got shut down, I guess, in March. Um, Just crazy cool stuff. I was preaching in South Carolina, had a word of knowledge that someone had damage in their carpal tunnel, you know, their arms right here, and their knees were healed. And I said, also, there's someone here, you got severed inside your nose, and uh, didn't think anything about it, called it out, and all of a sudden this guy's about, about kind of similar to being here, uh, uh, Calstrip of Gath, Tim of Gath, Goliath of Gath. This guy's like six foot ten come walking down. Normally, you know, I'm a little cautious about giving someone the microphone at the end of a service, you know, because I have a tendency to say some things that will push through religion. So if you're religious this morning, you're not going to enjoy this morning. Just might as well buckle up, okay? Well, that goes over real good. Wow. <laughs> Start the car. I'll be right there. Here we go. So this guy, like six foot ten, almost seven feet tall, comes walking down. I said, can I say something? I said, sure. He goes, hey, both of my arms got healed. My knees got healed. This is all new to him. I'm in, I'm in a church in South Carolina. He goes, he goes, man, this freaks me out. My wife had gone in for brain surgery the week before. They had severed. They'd gone up through her nose to get to her pituitary gland, and they severed some areas in her nose. She te- he texts her. She texts him back, says, I can breathe perfectly. My nose is healed. God's so cool, you don't even have to be in the meeting. You can be at home, and your husband can be at church and have a word of knowledge and get healed. I was with Chris Romine in uh, Corbin, Kentucky, headquarters of Kentucky Fried Chicken. 
I was preaching there, and I had a word of knowledge. Someone had palsy. That's a very rare word of knowledge. So someone here's got palsy. Just called out and said, you're healed. This girl was sitting there about 25 or 26. I didn't know this. She had palsy. Uh, the girl next to her goes, you know what? What just came on you came on me. This is totally new to them. It's the glory of God, the power of God. She gets healed of palsy right there. She's so freaked out. That night at 1230 at night, she called her pastor, and she said, I know Jesus doesn't heal anymore, but I got healed tonight of palsy. You know what he said? Don't tell anybody, but I still think he heals people too. Come on. A denominational church. The crazy thing is, is that Pastor Chris Romine, he was his mother was listening to an old tape of mine from like 1986. I had a word of knowledge that someone's knee was being healed. Pop, her knee popped right then. She got healed listening to a tape that was almost 40 years old. I'm telling you, man, you don't be skeptical about the power of God. You're living in a day when people are analytical and skeptical. I wasn't there when Moses split the Red Sea, but I believe it. Come on, amen. So let's get into this. Let's get into what we can look at to tell how close we are. We're so privileged. So as we get to the end of the, of the race, we want to accelerate. I've never seen anybody in a car race get chilled when the white flag comes out. No, when the white flag comes out, you take more chances. You're all in. If your engine's been at about 5,000 RPMs, you want to go 7,000 RPMs, maybe 7,500 RPMs, because you're at the end. So you give it your all. So let's look at Matthew 24, and we'll see where we are here as far as what's really been going on uh, with COVID and all that. Look at Matthew 24, and watch Jesus answer their questions. Matthew 24, look at verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and the disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See not all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another shall not be thrown down. Now this is so cool. It's ominous where they're sitting. The Mount of Olives there, you see the Temple Mount. It's such a, a majestic uh, uh, thing to look at. So watch what he says here in verse 3. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? In the Greek, it's the end of the age. So they asked him three questions. And you know, he, he didn't get mad at them. He basically gave them some cool answers. Don't be troubled, don't be deceived. Now, he gives a completely different answer than I would have given because Jesus is talking to Jewish boys here. He's not talking to the church age, okay? So he's going to tell them things that are going to completely bypass the church age. So get that in your mind. The Gospels only speak of the second coming. They don't speak of the rapture. So if you feel like it kind of omits the rapture, because it does. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And they go, church, what's a church? This is crazy. So the church was such a mystery that all the prophets prophesied about the first coming of the Lord, second coming. It's called the mountain peaks of prophecy. What we look at when it comes to end time preaching, you have to completely encapsulate it within end time, end time preaching within Christ realities. If you look at it outside of who you are in Christ, you'll feel like you don't qualify. So Jesus answers their question so interesting. What's his answer of his question? Watch what he says. He doesn't get mad at them. He goes, that's okay. He goes, take heed that no man deceive you. Many will come in my name saying, I'm Christ and shall deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now he's going to give us two verses here that show you uh, what, what's about to transpire. In verse 9 to verse 22 is what we call the tribulation period. So so in verse 7 and 8, he's getting into something that's going to happen just before the tribulation. So look at verse 7. Nation will rise against nation. That's the word ethnos. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, there'll be pestilence, there'll be earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now the word sorrows there we know is the word birth pains, or we would say today's vernacular, contractions. How many of you ladies, when, you, when you're, you're eight months pregnant, all of a sudden you get right at nine months, and all of a sudden you start having contractions, uh, you start paying attention. 
At least I started paying attention because I'm not going to birth a baby. Amen. Come on. So, so he said something would be happening on the earth that would be so severe that you can't ignore it. And he talks about world, basically world war. You had World War I, World War II. Then you have earthquakes. You had 35,000 earthquakes in Iceland last week. You had Oklahoma be this, the, the number one place of, of, of seismic activity the last couple of years. Who would ever think Oklahoma would be that way? So you got earthquakes, you got World War, 1917, 1941. And then he, he goes into talking about pestilence. That, that's all this is, is, is the earth getting ready for the tribulation period. I mean, last week you had China make a deal with Iran to where Iran is a Chinese colony. Okay, $600 billion they paid for, uh, for oil. So you got nations moving into position for what's going to happen after we're gone. Because the Bible says the kings of the east will come over the Euphrates at the end of the tribulation. Well, the ISIS tried to dam up the Euphrates twice, but three or four years ago. So you got, you got uh, things happening that are blatant right in front of us to go, wow, the Lord's about to come back. So let's don't be freaked out about COVID. Don't be freaked out about anything. Don't let anything move you. Amen. Wigglesworth came on the scene years ago. I'm not moved by how I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what the Word says about me. Then Kenneth Hagin picked up on that. I'm not moved by how, how I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what the Word says about me. So nothing phases you. There's a strength in you. That's why in James he said, be patient and stable. Now that, boy, you could preach that a couple days, couldn't you? Patience and stability. So there's something about making sure you're not impatient and make sure that you're not wishy-washy. Amen. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Come on. So there's a strength for us and there's a, a purpose for us right here at the very end. And that's to be a voice and a witness. Now in the Old Testament, God raised up prophets to come on the scene. Think of between Malachi and Matthew, 400 years of silence. No one's speaking for God. Must have been pretty dead. All of a sudden John comes on the scene, lo eating locust burgers and camel hair. Kind of crazy, kind of rough around the edges, you know. And, and the Bible says he, he woke up a dead nation. Think about it. Without a single miracle, he woke up the whole nation. Yet he did no miracle. Jesus said he's a burning and a shining light. <laughs> they said, are you a prophet? He said, no. They said, are you the prophet? No, nope, I'm a voice. A voice of one crying in the wilderness. And Jesus said there hadn't been a greater prophet since him or ever was or ever will be. But the least in the kingdom of God's got more anointing than John the Baptist. So you could have got saved yesterday and you have more grace on you than John had. What was John's mission to get people ready for the first coming of the Lord? What's the believer's mission right here to get people ready for the second coming of the Lord? So as we get into all these things, man, I was on a plane one time to Sweden. This lady said, I don't know what's going on. I said, I know exactly what's going on. Israel's made a nation. Jerusalem was won back. The Hebrew language was restored. Ethiopian Jews were brought back. She goes, what? I said, these are all things the Bible said you'd see just before God comes back to the planet. She goes, let me go get the other flight attendant. Went and got another flight attendant. I told her that. Went and got another flight attendant. We had eight or nine flight attendants right there having a church service because the Bible has the answers. So that's why God filled you with such strength, filled you with so much joy, so you could be a walking billboard of knowing the truth. The truth sets you free. If you hear end time preaching that scares you, it's not Bible. Amen, it's just not Bible. I watch guys on TV pulling verses out of context, trying to put law things on the church, and you just can't do it. I mean, one of them is pray that you might be accounted worthy to escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man. I don't have to pray to be accounted worthy. I am worthy. It has nothing to do with what I've done. It has everything to do with what He did. So you know what? I'm just going to be uh, smart enough to go, I trust in you. Uh, you redeemed me. You quickened me. You raised me. You seated me. You presented me holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in His sight. 
Hallelujah. I'm going to take him at his word. Glory to God. So as we get into this, let's look and see why we get into time preaching. Because you say, how, do, how can you tell we're in the last days? Well, the Bible says when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it was the last days. The Bible says that when Jesus came to us, it was the last days. Well, that was 2,000 years ago. Well, we're in the last of the last of the last of the last days when it comes to that. And I have a friend of mine, uh, bless his heart, dear, dear brother, a friend of mine. He goes, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. I said, wait a minute, you, you've never opened your Bible and you're going to tell me you can't tell when the Lord's coming back? We were taught incorrectly that we couldn't tell when there's more verses written about what it would look like just before he came. Think about that. There's more verses written about what it would look like because he knew we'd have a tendency to go, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back, but you got sign after sign after sign after sign. If you were driving from here to Council Bluffs and it said 22 miles, you, the next sign says 18 miles, the next sign says 14, you don't go, oh my God, I'm never going to make it to Council Bluffs. No, the signs tell you you're heading that way. The signs will show us today how near we are to his return. I can't give you the day, but I can give you the season. After we go through about 50 signs, you're going to go, holy cow, Jesus is just just about to come. I mean, you had foxes show up on the Temple Mount a few months ago. That's from Lamentations 5.18. You had the ritual baths around the Temple Mount fill up with water, first time in 2,000 years. You got tangible things, fish showing up in the Dead Sea. Ezekiel prophesied that 2,500 years ago. You know when it came to pass? Last year. So you got tangible things happening every week going, uh, uh, hello, the bridge is out, Jesus is about to come. So it's exciting. These are the most exciting times ever. I mean, in a race, you're screaming, this is it, you're seeing the finish line. So let's look at this. Go over to Isaiah, grab your Bibles there, and let's go back to Isaiah, and we'll run through it. And if it may be new to you, you're like, well, I, I've never heard that we could tell. Let's let the Scripture do the preaching for us, okay? Don't take my word for it. Let's find Bible. I can't be bold about it if I don't have Scripture in verse. I mean, preaching in the German schools, the Germans, we have question and answers afterwards. They'll go, you said so-and-so and so-and-so. Whoa, 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 no, I didn't say so-and-so and so-and-so. The Bible says so-and-so. So our confidence and our boldness is based on what Scripture says, not based on folklore, not based on tradition, not based on Aunt May. Well, what's the Bible have to say? So grab your Bibles there. Go to Isaiah. I know that you all know this, and I know you've heard this many times. But, man, this is it. This is the most exciting uh, time ever to be on the planet. Hallelujah. The entrance of the king. Everything that you see happening with every nation right now, you're seeing this pressure because Jesus is just about to come back. Wow. Nation literally lining up for what God said thousands of years ago, and you're living in that day. Wow. So grab your Bibles there and go to Isaiah. You got your Bibles there at Isaiah 46. And uh, look at verse 9. This is one of the cool ones. Verse 9 of Isaiah 46. Remember the former things of old. I'm God. There's none else. I'm God. There's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Now I'll give you the, the, the Joe version of that. He basically said, I'll tell you what's going to happen before it happens. This is proving I'm God. This brings authenticity to the book. Now, why is that a big deal? You can talk to a Buddhist. You can talk to a Muslim, their book doesn't give you future. This is the only book that gives you future. So we can rest in knowing God's already been there, done that, made the t-shirt. Isn't it cool? He's watching over his word to perform it. Now, I know, I know you know this, but hang with me a second. This is cool. I, I've read this many times here. It's a lot of info, but just run with me for just a little bit as we see the beautiful rain out there. Praise the Lord. Amen. Listen to this. I know this is a lot of info, but just run with me mentally for just a second, okay? Listen to the first ten names of guys in the Bible, and look how flawless the Scripture is. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. 
Canaan means sorrow. Mahiliel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. Lamech means despairing. And Noah means rest. Put them all together. Listen to this. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching that his death brings the despairing rest. The first ten names of the Bible give you the entire plan of redemption. Because he said, I'm God. I'll tell you what's going to happen before it happens. So once you get into it and you start looking at God said this and it came to pass. God said this and it came to pass. Ezekiel prophesied the year Israel will be reestablished as a nation. Gabriel told Daniel the year Jesus would come the first time. They should have been out there going, three, two, one, here he comes. Because it was told them exactly when he would come. He came exactly to the year. Flawless. Because he's God. I mean, think about how cool God is. <laughs> Span the heavens out in the palm of his hand. The depths of the waters in the palm of his hand. And we have 100 billion galaxies like our galaxy with 100 billion stars like our star. Just so you'll have cool twinkle lights at night. He just thinks different than we do. He, he thinks over the top, okay? And once we get into it, he, he said certain things in, in, in connection with the stars and with the planets that you could see timing from it that will just freak us all out here when we're done because it's absolutely amazing. God's so good and so kind to us. Now, remember, we're going to get into tons of detail for just a few minutes, okay? Tons of information. The whole purpose of it is because he loves you so much. He wants to bless you. He wants to strengthen you. He's not mad at you, not frustrated with you. He loves you. He wants you happy. He wants you hopeful. Five things about the coming of the Lord, and they're all good news. Don't be troubled. Don't be deceived. I want you happy. I want you hopeful, and I want you comforted. Why would he say that to us? Because this is the coolest time ever we're about to see him face to face. Well, could you imagine going through the protocol? What are you going through? Oh, I'm going through a little, uh, 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 a little thing to get ready to meet God face to face. You think there might be a room we go into and go, okay, now let's decompress for a minute. Let's get all ready. Uh, but, but it's about to happen. We're going to be raptured. Isn't it cool? We're, this mortal is going to put on immortality. How cool is that? We're all going to get brand new bodies. Remember, I'm the right weight. I'm just not the right height. My weight is perfect. But it's going to be fixed here at this rapture. Come on. So think about the stain of Adam being taken off of us. How cool is that going to be? Oh, so wonderful things ahead. There, there is no bad news. I mean, you're living when the Bible says there'd be a lack of hunger, and you're in church. You've pushed through that, and you're here Sunday morning. You've communicated to the Lord that you love Him. You're here. So let's go look at all of this. Let's look at the signs of the second coming, not of the rapture, because the rapture of the church is signless. There are no signs for the rapture. There's one verse that you can look at in James. The Bible says that we get double of what the early church had. And technically, don't get mad at me. We basically had that the last hundred years. We just, we won't double of, all, of what the church, <laughs> we won't double of what the book of Acts was. We want a two-week period. We kind of have a tendency to want fanfare. I know a guy that in the Sudan got two million people saved in two weeks. The guy, one man was demon-possessed, uh, hair down to his feet. They had him in chains. They got the Christian believer cast the devil out of him, said, cut his chains off. Said, oh, no, he'll start biting everybody. Said, no, he won't. Come out of him in Jesus' name. The Islamic man that ran the whole country said, we're going to convert to Christianity. Two million people saved in two weeks. We bought backpacks that had uh, uh, solar panels in them that had chips in there to teach new members classes. It'd be the equivalent of San Diego getting saved in one day or two weeks. Think of how many new pastors you need to send down there to teach new members classes. So a book written about what happened in the last hundred years would be, this is the greatest move of God we've ever seen. The gospel going all over the world. People in Iran getting saved. 
people in Germany getting saved. The first time I preached in Germany at the Bible school, there was 11 people there, and now there's like 700 people there, and they're all on fire for God. Can't get them to stop worshiping God. So God's moving all over the earth. We're very, very privileged. So grab your Bibles there, and let's look at this, and let's look and see what, what Jesus told us to look at, because if you focus on the wrong thing, you get misinformation. Let's focus on what the Bible says, too. Look at Luke 21, and I know we've gone here, but it'll so bless us. Watch how clear Jesus is about how we can tell where we are. Why would we need to know where we are? So you make changes. If you thought Jesus was coming tomorrow, I'd hope you'd be nicer tonight. I mean, my mom, man, we got in this in 1970, and you know how it was in 71, 72, 73. My mom's like, the rapture's happening tonight. It is? Seriously? Well, I went to bed every night, Lord, I love you. I was freaked out because she had a, you know how moms are, they have a, a way of scaring you into doing the will of God. <laughs> she goes, you want things to go well with you? He goes, remember, honor your mother and your father, and things will go well with you, and you'll live long on the earth. The devil tells me every single day, I'm going to kill you today. I go, you can't kill me today, because I honor my mother and my father, and God said I'll live long on the earth, and things will go well with me. Amen. Every day, I said, what a loser you are, you idiot, moron spirit, to think you're going to, tells me every day I'm going to kill you. He said, I wouldn't talk like that to the devil. I have zero fear of the devil. Come on. He's a defeated foe, paralyzed. And this is how you talk to the devil. Let me lift my shoe up. Where are you? Amen. He's defeated, defeated, defeated. Amen. All right, so let's look at this. Look at Luke 21. It's so cool. Watch Jesus make it clear. Luke 21, verse 24. We'll get into the signs of the second coming of the Lord. Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. I mean, that's a lot said in that one verse. Basically, Jesus said, when you see the Jews get Jerusalem back, time's up. So when did that happen? 1967. That's pretty radical. The six-day war. After six days of human history, uh, Jerusalem's won back. Jesus goes, when you see that happening, the times of the nations is pretty much up. Now, remember, everything revolves around Jerusalem. If you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. If you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. Everything goes back to that piece of real estate. The Temple Mount is where, uh, this is what Turkey said this last week. Erdogan from Turkey, the president of Turkey, he turned an old <laughs> church into a mosque last week. You got Greece freaked out about it. And this is what he said. This is good that we turn this into a mosque, but what we will do soon is to gather all of Islam and go up to the Temple Mount and take the Temple Mount from the Jews. See, Lucifer wants that piece of real estate where Jesus is going to reign forever. Just like the devil said, I'll be like the Most High. I'll send to the sides of the north. No, you won't. Uh, the Bible says Jesus said, I, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. The Lord didn't go, let me push him out. He came out like lightning. Come on. So Lucifer wants that spot where Jesus is going to reign. You remember what Gabriel told Mary of his kingdom, there'll be no end. He'll rule over the house of Jacob forever. He'll sit on the throne of his father, David. So Lucifer wants that spot there in Jerusalem. How cool. We, we've all talked about it, and you've heard about it. Think of the miracles that happened in the Six-Day War. I know you've heard about one of them, but remember the Egyptian army was coming down with 88 tanks? 88 tanks coming down on Israel in the Six-Day War. One Israeli cook, he said, you know what? If I'm going to die, I'm going to go out with a splash. He jumped in a tank, figured out how to load the shells into the turret. I mean, think about under pressure, people are shooting at you, and you figure out how to fire shells out of a tank. I mean, that's pretty crazy. A cook. 
He starts firing shells at the Egyptian army. Fires another shell at the Egyptian army. Next thing you know, the Egyptian commander came out in the morning with a white flag. He said, I'm here to surrender to the highest ranking officer. And the Israeli cook said, highest ranking officer, it's just me. He goes, oh no, it's not just you. The whole night, the countryside was filled with tanks with men dressed in white. You've been shelling us all night and we can't take it anymore. I was in Israel a couple of years ago. The Saudi Arabian newspaper came out and said, we still don't understand how Israel won the Six-Day War and attributed it to those men dressed in white. There were angels on the front of those tanks and Egypt surrendered. Egypt, 88 tanks surrendered to one Israeli tank because the time of the Gentiles was fulfilled. So you're living when, when, when our dad is getting everything ready for his son to be honored. This is the time for the son to be honored. We call it the revelation. Jesus is about to be honored and magnified. And you start seeing all these things and just, just wake up and go, wow, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is about to have the preeminence that's due him. He's going to reign over, over the house of Jacob forever. And my, t- my friend, you think about people mocking him now. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And everything that you see happening right now is pressure on, on the world to get Israel ready for that seven-year period called the tribulation. It's called a time of Jacob. Jacob's trouble, not the church's trouble. And it's just so Jesus can present himself to his brethren just like Joseph. He's going to present himself to his brethren at the very end. Pretty amazing. So this stuff, I mean, there's so many other miracles. He had the Syrian army barreling down on the Jews in the Six-Day War. There were four or five Israelis. How many bullets you got? I got three or four. How many you got? And there was a huge minefield right there. They had nowhere to go. They were pressed in with the Syrian army coming toward them. There's a huge minefield. This massive wind came through and blew into the minefield and exposed every one of the mines. They walked right through the middle of the minefield. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle to get Jerusalem back. Now, you can go to Jerusalem, and the devil's so stupid <laughs> that everywhere Jesus did something cool, the devil puts a mosque. <laughs> you go, what happened there? That's where Jesus was raised from the dead. There's a mosque over here. What happened there? That's where he was beaten. There's a mosque over here. What's that? That's where the Mount of Ascension was. The devil's so stupid, he thinks he could cover it up. All he did is give you a tour guide. You see, see a mosque? The Lord did something cool there, another mosque there. Because in the, in the mosque on the Temple Mount right now, you can go up in it. And in Arabic, it says in a circle, there is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. Why? There is the Son of God. His name is Jesus, and God raised him from the dead, and he's coming back again. Come on. And every, every nation's going to bow to his, his lordship forever. Forever, his kingdom. There'll be no end. So that's what you're seeing, the earth going through these uh, birth pains of like, wow, something's up. How many of you ladies, when you went into contractions, were you sad? No, no. It was uh, troubling because it took over your life, but you were rejoicing because a baby's about to be born. A kingdom is about to be born on the earth. Come on. Hallelujah. And you're, you're watching the earth get ready for, for great change. Great change. Great change. Great change. Change is coming. Jesus is coming back. So we see this, this one's easy because Jesus tied it to a city being regathered. How cool is this? He made it easy for us. He didn't say there will be a lady in uh, the, the middle of uh, Swa- speak Swahili and she's in the Congo. She's going to have a dream about what's it going to look like. Well, we'd have to go to the Congo. <laughs> we'd have to find that lady. No, the Lord's so sweet. He had a whole city come back to God so we could tell how close we were. Watch him get even clearer. Look at verse 29. Skip down to verse 29. As he spake to them a parable, he said, Look at the fig tree, that's the nation of Israel, and all the trees, the prophetic nations around Israel. When they now shoot forth their bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer 
Our harvest is nigh at hand. Now look at this in verse 31. It's so cool. Likewise, just as bold as you are about the trees turning, you know summer's coming. When you see Israel regathered as a nation, be just as bold. He said, likewise, when you see these things come to pass, no. Circle the word no. Why is he saying these things? So we'll know how close we are. He didn't say wonder. He didn't say sense. He didn't say perceive. He said, if you look at these things coming to pass... You can know the kingdom of God is night hand. That's pretty bold. What did he say, say to look at? Jerusalem being one back and the fig tree budding. Now look at the next verse. You ready for this? This is Jesus saying this. Jack Van Hippie didn't say this. Rexella. Jack Van Hippie didn't say this. And uh, who, who some of the other guys? Chuck Missler didn't say this. Jesus said this. He says in verse 32, Verily I say unto you, This generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. What generation? The one that sees Israel regathered in 1948 and Jerusalem went back in 1967. So we're it. I hear people go, I don't believe it. It don't matter. I hear people go, I'm not comfortable with it. It don't matter. <laughs> I mean, I can give you 50. Those are two big signs. I hear people all the time go, well, you really can't be definitive about that. Seriously? Just like in the spring when the trees begin to bud, you can't say summer's coming? He said, likewise, just as bold as you are. Could you imagine in Tulsa in the wintertime it gets brown, the trees are gone, uh, the grass is brown, and, and then all of a sudden come March, April, the, the trees. This is the first year in 34 years that I watched the trees bud. Usually I'm gone and come back, gone, come back, gone, come back. I was home and I said, check this out. The trees turned right in front of our eyes. Well, you know what? I didn't go, hey, summer's not coming this year. Wouldn't that have been weird? Summer's not coming. Well, yeah, it is. The trees are preaching to you. Just as idiotic as it would be to say that, to see Israel regathered in Jerusalem one back, that generation won't pass away till all is fulfilled. So we're very, very privileged. Now, that's two signs. I got about 50. That's two of the 50. Those are the main ones. Aren't we blessed? So that tells me, I mean, if if the Lord could come in, I I said to, to Pastor Mike and Joan last night, I so appreciate their friendship, how normal they are, how sweet. I said, you know, I have a helmet with a siren on it, but I didn't bring it. But you can feel that, how the Lord wants to wake everybody up. Joel said, sound an alarm. Wow. So this is a pretty big deal to watch Israel regathered. The one thing in Scripture, he said that we will say he's not able to do it. He's already done it. So God regathered them. What a miracle that is. You got, you got guys getting off of planes from Russia, and they get, they get on the land of Israel. They, they say, I don't even know why I'm here. Something drew me here. Because God said he would regather them in the last days. So we're watching our dad do all this stuff to have his kids uh, see him as he is. God's regathered Israel to court her. When Colleen and I were dating, she was living in California. She's from Azusa. I'm, I'm t- dating by text. I go, I love your hair. I love your eyes. I, it's, you can't convey emotion on text. I moved Colleen from California to Tulsa so we could court. God's moved Israel back to his land so he can court her. And right after the rapture of the church, you'll have Russia come down on Israel. And God's going to protect Israel. And he's going to go, look, I'm going to take care of you. So you're watching everything set up for him to do this right now. Absolutely amazing. So look at how cool this is. You've got two main signs. And watch what Jesus said in the next verse. He's so kind about this. Look at what he said in the next verse. He said, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that day comes upon you unawares. So you could be so busy with care that all the signs are happening and you're unaware of it. Well, that's a picture of the world right now. I mean, you, you can't get any more blatant than what's going on in the Bible. And everybody don't give me the facts. I'm busy. Even word people, I'm busy. Don't give me the truth. Looking for reasons not to obey God. I'm not looking for reasons not to obey God. I'm looking for reasons to obey God. This is it. 
You know, I tell the story, and man, i got to get moving. You guys are so sweet. But this in the Message Bible, he said in the Message, don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by, by shopping. I didn't say that. I'm quoting the Message Bible, okay? <laughs> so you could, he wants you to have a sharp edge to your expectation. What's that mean? Just like when you got married, you're excited the night before. You weren't like depressed. You were like, man, I'm getting married. So don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled. So you can be living when God said all these verses are coming to pass and not even know it's happening. Unaware is what he said. Okay, how many of you, when you're engaged, did you start talking more? You didn't talk less, you talked more. Colleen and I almost burned up cell phones talking to each other while we're engaged. You know what I'm saying? When you're engaged, you talk more. God wants the church engaged. I say that. Don't get mad at me. I didn't say anybody here. But the church as a general rule is like, I'm too busy for Jesus to come back. I've got too much going on. Seriously? Right before God comes to the planet? And that, that's the church. Don't give me the facts. I just want to live my life. They think that the rapture is an ending. It's not an ending. It's a beginning. You're not done at the rapture. We're tasting of the powers of the world to come. You're writing your resume for what you'll be doing during the millennium. I got a couple grunts, a couple amens. I don't know. No, no, you're, you're setting the stage for your future right now. Great things ahead, joyful things ahead. The tendency is to think that we're going to go to heaven and worship for a thousand years. We're not going to have harps going like this for a thousand years. If that's true, we'd be in harp class right now. Whether you're comfortable with it or not, you're going to be an overseer of people. <laughs> if you're faithful over so much, you rule over ten cities. If you're faithful over so much, you rule over two cities. You have a rulership pattern that's getting set up for you to rule over those natural-bodied people for a thousand years. Paul said, why would you take that to a court? You're going to judge the world. You're going to rule the world. So wonderful things ahead. We'll have time off. We'll play. We'll water ski. We'll play golf. We'll go to movies. You say, seriously? There's going to be sports. It's going to be very normal. It's just Lucifer will be bound. That's the deal is people don't want, I, they're not going to be football. There's going to be football. I was preaching in, in, in Nebraska years ago. I can't remember, the, not Kearney, but what was the town I was in Nebraska? The Lord said, tell them they've never seen a roller coaster until they see one in the millennium. You ain't seen a roller coaster until you see one in the millennial reign of Christ. You talk about, do you want to go faster? Woo, come on, glory to God. Do you want your skin? How many G's do you want to take? Let's max it out. Come on. I get on a roller coaster. I don't want to go on the slowest one. I want to go on the fastest one. I was telling Pastor Mike last night, last week I had, I had a Dodge uh, Charger where I was was in Missouri, the thing would break the tires loose at 60 miles an hour. It's like 460 horsepower. I said, this is the way the Lord wants to build a car right here. <laughs> so where do we get that crazy thought pattern? I mean, just like teaching Brian and them how to use their handbrakes that was on ice and snow. That, that thought pattern is because the Lord's normal. We have this tendency, I made it to heaven. Here I am, Lord. I Good to see you. Your throne is so beautiful. No, it, it, you're going to be crazier then than you are now. <laughs> I think I lost somebody on that one. <laughs> All right, let's go through the signs because we have tons more. So let's get through them because there's some re really cool things that have happened lately that I want to get into that just, I mean, happened last week and the week before. I'm like, seriously? Come on. All right, so after these two, you got Israel made a nation. You got Jerusalem one back, and Jesus said that generation won't pass away till all is fulfilled. And then you got the next thing would be the Hebrew language restored. God said just before the coming of the Messiah, He'll restore to them a pure language. 120 years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now they all speak Hebrew. Google it. You can't find anybody speaking Hittite. You can't find them speaking Amorite, Canaanite, but you can find them speaking Hebrew. 
I tell the story, I've told it here many times. Gosh, I gotta get rocking. Too many signs. I was in Israel, and a buddy of mine was gonna get me to meet with Ariel Sharon. Now I'm a hillbilly from a small town in Louisiana. Okay, so I have no idea why I'm even right here in front of you. Some somewhere someone made a mistake. <laughs> Trust me, errors were made in judgment, okay? So so I'm in Israel, and this buddy goes, Okay, we're gonna go meet with Ariel Sharon. I said, I'm from a small town. I'm not gonna meet with Ariel Sharon. Yeah, you're already coming in with me. So my buddy hauls me in to meet with Ariel Sharon. I'm nervous as I'll get out, because there's the leather chairs, there's the black and white pictures you see on TV, gold in my ear, Moshe Diane, and the whole group right there. So I'm kind of nervous, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get me a pencil, and it'll be a souvenir with Hebrew writing on it. I went over there and grabbed a pencil, and it was from Iowa. <laughs> I love Iowa, but I wanted some Hebrew writing, you know? I thought, man, this is not cool. So right then, though, I could hear them walking down the hall, and they're speaking perfect Hebrew. hundred years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now they all do, because God said, I'll do this in the last days. So in your lifetime, he did it. Brought them back to their land, got them their language back. What's the next sign after that? Ethiopian Jews brought back. Uh, <laughs> 18,000 airlifted in one day. An American man paid $30 million to bring them out. C-130s flew right down into Ethiopia, airlifted them out. First time an airplane had a manifest of 180 passengers, and it landed at 187 why? Ladies were having babies on those planes, just like the Exodus. Now get this, CNN News, CNN Headline News, Chuck Roberts on CNN Headline News. He said, an Exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Listen, when CNN's preaching about what the Lord's doing, you better lift up your head. The Lord's about to come back. Come on. So preaching about an Exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. When that happened? Your lifetime, 1992. So you got tangible, physical things that God said, I'll do this just before I come back. Pretty radical. All right, after that, this is a cool one. The revival of the Roman Empire. Okay, you got the EU. A couple years ago, I spoke in Norway, flew down to Nice. They don't even stamp your passport. I wanted that stamp on there that says Cote d'Azur. They don't even stamp your passport anymore because it's the United States of Europe. The, the, the money has the woman from the book of Revelation on it. Now, this is the crazy one. Google today the Capitol building in Strasbourg, France. It's not similar to the Tower of Babel. It's identical to the Tower of Babel. See, they're building that system. We'll make our own way to God. We don't need God. We'll do this on our own. You should read the slogan right there with it. I mean, it's not similar to the Tower of Babel, identical. So you see that system coming on the scene. The man, you, you see the platform for the Antichrist. He's going to have a reset for everybody. Oh, you, you, you're a nation that you're billions of dollars in debt. Listen, we're going we're to forgive all your debt, the whole earth. But you've got to use our currency. That's called the mark of the beast. I mean, people all the time thinking right now that the COVID vaccines is the mark of the beast. That's not the mark of the beast. You won't take the mark of the beast, not knowingly. And that can't even come on, come on the earth until you depart. The first seal in the book of Revelation is the Antichrist. That seal can't be opened until you have the church off the earth. You can't have the Christ and the Antichrist here at the same time. The Bible calls the body of Christ. Uh, what concord hath Christ with Belial? God calls you Christ. Now, I might be his hangnail, I might be his uh, little toe, I might be the stupidest, most idiotic, most ill-advised, most witless, brainless part of the body of Christ, but I'm still in the body of Christ. Woo, come on. I got, I got, I got his blood pumping through me, the, the life of God quickening me. So, we have this platform set up for a ruler to come on the scene. You had the Pope this last year say, we're, we're ready for one world authority, one world monetary system, one world religion. The Pope before him said that too. Man, I'm going to give you a bunch more. Hang with me. Everybody buckle up. Everybody with me? Because i got a bunch to get into just before we get going here. And then I'll sing something off my greatest hits album. I can't wait. It'll be powerful. 
Hey, Bishop Malachi in the year 1129 A.D., this is pretty radical. Catholic bishop, we, we would say Malachi, they call him Malachi. He had a vision of every pope that would be on the earth all the way up to the second coming. <laughs> and he got the coat of arms for every pope. Now, the coat of arms is super detailed. Uh, some popes were uh, uh, maritime popes, some popes were naval popes, some popes were worshiping popes. He got the coat of arms, which is very much detailed, for every single pope. Guess how many he had in a row? He batted 114 for 114. Now, in baseball, you bat three out of ten, you're going to make a pretty good living. Living, he got 114 popes out of 114. Guess what pope we have right now? The 114th. He got them correctly one after another. This was on the History Channel. You think the church would be talking about that? Why, why, what's that, what, why is that? Jesus is about to come back. I don't know how old the one is we have now, but uh, he, he's not like he's 30. <laughs> so, so the Lord is coming back. All right, let's look at some more. This is a cool one. This one uh, we've talked about before, but we'll get into some of the more. I want to make sure I don't miss some of them. I was watching the Animal Planet channel a few years ago. Now I'm an ESPN guy, so I'm not an Animal Planet channel, but I happened to be watching it. And there was an Israeli ornithologist that came on there. The only reason I know what an ornithologist is is my brother was one. I went to college for nine years. My dad said, what did you learn? He said, I learned how to play poker. So anyway, a bird specialist that you got to go to college for nine years to be an ornithologist. How crazy is that? Well, she said it's the largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. 172 different species of predatory birds. She said, we don't understand it. Man, I'm like, oh, I understand it. Right after the rapture, you have the Ezekiel 38 war, and, and God calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. Seven years later, you have the Battle of Armageddon. God calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. You've got the cleanup crew in Israel right now. You've got, the Bible says Russia is going to attack Israel. <laughs> Russia's got nine bases in Syria. Russia's in Crimea. Russia's in the Ukraine. Russia's completely set up to invade Israel. You say, why is that going to happen? Ezekiel says that, that God will put a hook in their jaw. <laughs> and they're going to they're have a crazy thought and think they can take Israel. And God's going to play rat-a-tat-tat with his baseball bat. <laughs> now see, that's why he has to take the church off the earth. In this dispensation, Germany killed six million Jews and prospered. Because God's not mad at anybody. God couldn't intervene for the Jews because he gave the church all authority. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say some stuff. Uh, we might as well use the Bible rather than tradition, okay? Is that cool? Why don't we use the Bible, okay? Because everybody goes, God's judging America. Well, if he did, he did a bad job. There's still people living in America. People call Katrina judgment. God's not judging people right now. Come on. He, <laughs> Germany killed six. You can't get much worse than killing six million Jews and prospered. Because God's not marking things against nations. Now, nations might reap what they sow, but that's not God judging them. Yeah. I mean, you, you might have nations do some stupid stuff and stuff comes down the pipe, but it's not God going, I'm going to get you. It's they're getting themselves. Yeah. Don't get mad at me. Come on, I'm just saying that this is how it really works because He loves you right now. That's why the church has to take Him be off the earth so He can play rat-a-tat-tat with His baseball bat. He's going he's gonna to thump Russia. 82% of Russia is going to be toast just like that. Five-sixths of Russia will be wiped out when they, go, when they go think they can mess with Israel. And God's like, I'm going to do this. Why? That heathen may know that I'm God. So he's got, not because he's mad. He's going to do it so the world can see that he's God. In this dispensation, he has the church showing people he's God. He takes the church off the earth, and he rolls his sleeves up and goes, Oh, you want to mess with Israel? 
I don't think so. So what a wonderful time to be living when you have 170 different species of predatory birds. Ezekiel talks about they mark the spot in that war that's radioactive till someone that's better clothed can come and deal with it. And they mark them for seven years. They burn the weapons for seven years during the tribulation because of the, the radioactivity of all that. Isn't that wild? Ezekiel saw that 2,700 years ago. So don't, don't touch it. Mark the spot. Someone else will come and touch it when they got a hazmat suit on. Tell somebody that 100 years ago. They said, what? Are you crazy? Now it makes sense. Okay, let's keep moving. Everybody with me? Okay, what's my favorite sign? We'll go through a few more. Uh, Aerosmith Stephen Tyler got saved. That's my favorite. Lenny Kravitz got him born again. Think of Lenny Kravitz, the evangelist. Lenny Kravitz, the guitar player, led him to the Lord. So that's pretty radical. All right, let's go through some more. They've got many more. Men will be lovers themselves. We have selfie sticks. I was in California, and a guy had two selfie sticks crossing the road, taking photographs of himself, almost got hit by a car because he was so busy taking pictures of himself. Did you ever think we'd have a time on the earth when we're obsessed with taking photographs of ourselves? Is that crazy? The Bible says men will be lovers themselves. Okay, you got, you got a bunch more. We talked about the ritual baths filling up with water. We talked about the fish showing up in the Dead Sea. This one is a cool one. Uh, Rabbi Iksak Kaduri. I don't quote rabbis very often because I don't have, I got to have scripture and verse. But this is pretty cool. He uh, got born again. Jesus appeared to him right before he died. Accepted Jesus as his Messiah. And wrote a letter, said, open this letter up uh, a year after I've gone home to be with the Lord. And when they opened the letter up, he said, I've come to realize that Jesus is the Messiah. Freaked all the rabbis out. It'd be like the Kenneth Hagin of rabbis telling people that Jesus is not Lord. You know, crazy. Well, he tells them all Jesus is the Messiah. Also, in some of his writings there from 2006, he said, Just before the coming of the Lord, Israel will be ruled by two Benjamins. Four weeks ago, Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Gantz decided to jointly uh, preside over Israel. So you've got two Benjamins ruling Israel right now. Pretty crazy. So you got tangible, physical things to look at that point to the coming of the Lord. Now, the, the next one we'll get into some signals, because there's a lot of signs. I mean, think about how sweet the Lord is to put all these signs in here so we know what's going on. What are they for? So we can tell how close we are. When you tell how close we are, you're kinder, you're sweeter, you're more merciful. I would hope you didn't, if the Lord's coming tomorrow, hey, what's going on? I think there'd be a kinder tone to your, your thought pattern. Amen. There'd be a softness about it. The, more you, the closer you get to Jesus, the softer you are, the kinder you are, the more merciful you are. Hang with me. You know, uh, my daughter Lauren ran cross-country, and I'm going to get to the signals here in just a second. I'm almost there. My daughter Lauren ran cross-country in high school, trained like crazy. I mean, ran four or five hours, didn't even think anything about it, wouldn't even bother her. I would train with her on my motorcycle. I'd be right there beside her. And so she's ri I'm riding along, and she's running, and I'm tired of her after riding on my motorcycle. So uh, uh, she, she, she always liked me to, it was a Harley, so she'd go, you know, punch it, daddy, punch it, daddy, boom, boom. So she's running all this time to get ready for the races. The training is so you can run your race and not be fatigued. So I go to all her cross-country events. They were on Saturday mornings. I would think I would go and then go on the road. I'd get there to them, and I'd get to the first mile marker, and Lauren would come running up. She'd see me. She'd go, how far, daddy? How far, daddy? Lauren, you got three more miles. Pace yourself. I'd cut across the field. I'd get to the next mile marker. She'd come running up. For, she, she, she wants to know, how far, daddy? How far, daddy? Uh, she wants to know how to pace herself. She needs to know how close the finish line is so she can tell how much energy to exert. I'd cut across the field and go to the next mile marker. She'd come running up. How far, Daddy? How far, Daddy? Lauren, you got another mile or so. Save a little bit for the end. I would cut across to the last mile marker. She'd come running up to the last mile marker. She wouldn't look at me. She wouldn't say anything to me. She saw the finish line. Her countenance changed. 
Everything changed right there. I mean, she, that, that kick comes in. She goes, man, I've trained all this time. I can surely give it my all right now. And that's the church, man. You're, you're looking at these things that show you the finish line. You give it your all. I screamed at Lauren, run, Lauren, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> Screaming ain't the word for it. Why? Because why go through all that training to chill at the end? Now, don't, don't get mad at me. I'm just saying the, the overall uh, thought pattern of the church right now is, I'm busy, don't give me all the facts. Now, how rude would that be if Colleen's getting ready to walk down the aisle and, and I'm not ready, I'm busy, don't give me the facts. No, no, the, that wedding's an exciting time. This is how I think. Now, hang with me. I'm, I'm getting to the signals right now because I've got to get rocking. The day of our wedding... Uh, Colleen had this friend that did makeup for all these movies. That she, lady flew from California to Tulsa to do all their makeup. You know, and we're in this old house. They're all set up getting all their makeup done. I had my best man bring a gift to my bride to be uh, a Tiffany's box, a little bracelet, just that blue box made her happy. I had my other buddy David Ellis playing the piano in the backyard so that my wife to be would get a gift and would hear the song she wanted to hear just before she got married. If I think like that, think of how the Lord thinks about you. He, he has some surprises for us. Oh, come on. He wants to bless you. He wants you excited. He wants you giddy. He wants you to have people tell you, break that pill in half. You should be, you should be so ballistically excited. Oh, come on. You, there should be a wildness about you. Jesus is about to come back. I've been running around my house going, I'm about to be 33. I'm about to be 33. Nah, 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 nah. I'm the devil. I'm about to be 33. I'm about to get a glorified body. Come on. I'm telling you, Jesus is just about to come. Now, there's many more signs we can get into, but I want to skip over to signals for a couple minutes because I want to let you go so you'll come back tonight. Remember, John Osteen said, he who preaches short shall be heard again. <laughs> so I knew that was coming. But my other job is I pose for trophies. I got that Heisman pose down, so <laughs> here we go. So let's talk about signals for a minute. The Bible says that the planets would be for signals for us. It's nothing weird. I mean, people get into, astro get into astrology, get into weird stuff. We're not talking about that. God set the planets in there so that we could see what's going on. And there's a couple things that are just absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, the big ones a few years ago were blood red moons. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And I hear people go, well, nothing happened. Well, they're indicators, just like when you turn your blinker on. You're not turning. You're indicating you're about to turn. So on what? Passover and tabernacles, blood red moons. That's pretty crazy. Four in a row, NASA calls it a tetrad. Passover is when he died for us. Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Tabernacles is when he's going to come back and tabernacle with men. So the heavens are going, I died for you, I'm coming back to live with you. I died for you, coming back to live with you. Four in a row. When's the last time you had four in a row on Passover and tabernacles? 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. 1948 when Israel's made a nation. 1492 is the Edict of Expulsion when the Jews were kicked out of Spain, and God raised up Columbus to sail the ocean blue in 1492 to raise up a country to be a safe harbor for the Jews. So you've got the heavens signaling when God's doing stuff. That's pretty cool. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> could get into more about that, but I want to keep moving. Pretty radical. And then you have this last year, the Bethlehem Star. We don't hear a lot of preaching on that. But the Bethlehem Star, remember when Jesus was born, the Magi drove by camel 700 miles? Could you imagine riding by camel 700 miles? I would have told my buddies, these stars better be over the top. It better be the coolest star thing I've ever seen all my life. To ride by camel for 700 miles, it better be a pretty big show. Well, they get there, and you got Jupiter. Jupiter's a king planet. Regulus, regal, king planet. 
Venus, mother planet. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. All three of them came together at the birth of Jesus. The constellation was Virgo. He's born of a virgin. Last year, NBC Nightly News, Lester Holt, said we have a celestial event. And my ears perked up. Jupiter, Regulus, Venus, Bethlehem star. First time in 2,000 years. What was the constellation? Leo. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Wow. First time in 2,000 years. You should look this up. Man, I'm going to give you homework for a second because I want to get into another signal. Look up the Bethlehem star. It's a Nashville attorney. He's not a preacher. He's an attorney that put, got the computer. This Kepler's Laws of Planetary Motion. You can go back at a certain date. You can tell exactly what the planets are going to be. Look at his bonus feature. Two minutes long. Bethlehem star bonus feature, two minutes long. He shows at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, Passover, when Jesus is on the cross, it's a re reverse eclipse. The, the, the passion lamb is the lamb that's there in the sky. That's the constellation. And the heart of the lamb goes black at 3 p.m. exactly when Jesus is given up the ghost. The flawlessness of that, that he set the heavens in motion 13 billion, 16 billion years ago, and to have it, the moment his son's dying on the cross, to have the heart of the lamb go black with an eclipse. Flawless. Pretty crazy. All right, let's go do some more. Everybody with me? <laughs> Remember Bethlehem Star bonus feature, two minutes on YouTube. Two minutes on YouTube. Two minutes on YouTube. Bethlehem Star bonus feature. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm in awe of the, of the majesty of my dad, that he'd have the heavens preaching to us about what his son would do. His son would give up his life. Okay, let me give you a couple more signals because these are really cool because these, these will hit home. Now remember, don't shoot the messenger. Don't get mad at me. I'm just going to give you facts, okay? <laughs> All right, so uh, President Trump, when he was born, there was a blood red moon. Midway through his presidency, I was preaching in Alabama, and it was the January 21st. I was at Scott Webb's. There was a blood moon, wolf moon, super moon, Okay. President Trump was born, there was a blood moon. 700 days later, Israel's made a nation. Okay? When Trump was elected, Benjamin Netanyahu had been in office seven years, seven months, seven days. When Trump was inaugurated, he was 70 years old, seven months, seven days. Okay? Trump moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem after 70 years. Okay, we know that the Lord is going to come back on Feast of Trumpets. We, get, we got that figured out. We, we'll get into that maybe tonight. That's pretty obvious. He's going to come back on Feast of Trumpets. When you say the president's name and the vice president's name, you say the coming of the Lord, Trump Pence. Now, it's kind of radical that the president of America and his vice president, would, names would mean Jesus is coming back. That's a pretty big signal. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Start the car. I'll be right there. So when you say Trump and you say Pence, you're saying the coming of the Lord. Now, I'll get into it more tonight. The trumpets, the Feast of Trumpets is when he's coming back. He went to the cross on Passover, buried on unleavened bread, raised on first fruits, Pentecost, Holy Spirit was poured out. The next feast to be fulfilled is Feast of Trumpets. There's a lot we can get into about that. But, I mean, how crazy is that, that our, our country is such a, a forerunner to the millennial reign of Christ? The... the, the, the the extreme blessing of America. I'll just tell you right now, the devil can't have our nation. You know why? Because you live here. You're a citizen of the United States of America. The devil can't mess with our land. He can't create havoc in our land. There'll be peace in our borders. Because what's the destiny of the United States of America? To get the gospel out. 
People say, what's going to happen to America? Let me tell you exactly what's going to happen to America. America is going to reap what they've sown. We've sown missionaries into all the world. America will have the greatest harvest than any nation on the planet. We've sown more missionaries. You, man, <laughs> I've preached in Lausanne, preached in Kerr, preached in Zurich, preached in Geneva, all over Switzerland. And guess who's there? Every one of those cities in Switzerland, remote cities in Switzerland, crazy American das ist peinlich. That means this is embarrassing for me. I mean, so, so God's raised up crazy Americans. Now, don't get mad at me. Hang with me for just a second. Okay, the French, to, to go obey God, the, everything has to be perfect. They want romance. The Italians, they want romance. Uh, the British uh, want everything just right. The Germans want everything flawless. God raised up a crazy country of Americans that when you said, I think I, I'm supposed to move to Oakland and start a church, you didn't convey with flesh and blood. You said, I'm going to move to Oakland. I'm going to start a church. All these other countries have to have everything just right. God raised up a crazy country of entrepreneurs, pioneer spirit. When we went to Raymond, we sat outside in the rain and in the sleet and the snow for five hours having sleet go down the back of your shirt, all because you wanted to hear the word. So we, we're, we're a wild nation. I'll talk about that, and then I'm going I'm to close. Kenneth Hagin, born in 1917. He had movies. I mean, there we were in Luke 21. He said, you can see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is night hand. He said, you can see and know. Brother Hagin prophesied there'd be an attitude of seeing and knowing on the earth right for the coming of the Lord. Now, hang with me for just a second. Born in 1917, they thought he was dead. They detected a little bit of life. Put him in a shoebox. They were going to bury him. Detected a little bit of life. Jesus appears to his mother before he's born. Now watch this. And says, name him John. She said, I don't like John. I like Kenneth. So she named him Kenneth. And the Lord said, he'll have a part in getting the earth ready for the second coming of the Lord. Not everything, but a part. Pretty radical. You know, you talk about every one of those cities in Switzerland. I could name 10 different cities in Italy. All because of Kenneth Hagin's simple message, sowing the word, sowing the word. Germany, sowing the word. Ukraine, sowing the word. The gospel going all over the world. You know what Hagin means in the Hebrew? One, to go before to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. There was a lady in Tulsa. I've told you this before. This cool. She's an evangelist. She died a few years ago, and they used defibrillators to get her back. And uh, she was in heaven talking to the Lord. She goes, oh, look, there's Kenneth Hagin. And Jesus said, you mean John? <laughs> So if your name's supposed to be John, you're supposed to be John, I guess. So that's how that works. So we're very, very privileged to watch. Brother, the Lord told Brother Hagin to start Raymond when Brother Hagin was 57 years old. I went to Raymond 40 years ago. And it's like God raised up a group of people to have a voice and a witness just before the coming of the Lord. There's a destiny on your church. And it's amazing that it's simplistic. It's not crazy. It's not weird. It's Jesus. It's G Jesus' ministry, Jesus' style, mercy, kindness, compassion, miracles, power. So you have dominion, you have the name of Jesus, you have equipment from heaven because you're this last group. You're the runners in the race screaming, there's Jesus right there. So my friend, I, I want to challenge you, we're dismissing, dismissing right now. What would you do if you could tell exactly, uh, what if you found out the Lord's coming next week? How would it change the way you live? I would think I'd be, I'd be holier, I'd be kinder, I'd be sweeter, I'd be gentle, I'd be merciful. Cut people slack. Amen. Sure glad you came today. <laughs> Preach it, Brother Joe. It's all over you. Okay, here we go. I think I'll do a little bit of Elvis. I'm just saying this because we've gotten desensitized. We think the Lord's not coming back. He's just about to come back. 
He literally is just about to come back. He said, well, I thought every nation had to get it. Matthew 24, it said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, then the end shall come. That's a mid-trib verse. Read the verse before it and the verse after it. He that endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. And I think it's quiet when you say that. You don't have to manipulate people to get them to go into all the world. The Bible says that even during the tribulation, there's places that haven't heard, and God commissions angels to go out. Because I hear people go, well, Jesus can't come back because every nation hadn't heard. That's a mid-trib verse, that verse. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. Then the end shall come. Read the verse after that. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, that's mid-trib. So I'm saying that because I hear people go, well, every nation hasn't heard. They're not going to hear before the rapture. The biggest harvest is after the rapture. Now, don't get mad at me. The biggest, do you want to be scriptural? The biggest harvest is after we're gone. God's going to raise up 144,000 Jewish evangelists. The Bible says their harvest is innumerable. And it gives you the percentage at the second coming. One's taken and one's left, 50%. That's not the rapture, that's at the second coming. So Switzerland's going to have a 98% revival. Germany's going to have a 97% revival. France is going to have a 99.9% revival. There's 1% of 1% saved in France. So I, don't get mad at me. We're about to hand off to the Jews. Enoch handed off to Noah. Elijah handed off to Elisha. Jesus handed off to the church. The church is going to hand off to the Jews. We're going to have our harvest. Oh, I, didn't, I forgot that verse. This is the one thing the Bible says we'll see before the coming of the Lord. And that's double of the book of Acts. That's James 5. Well, we've had that the last hundred years. And I'm, I'm all for God coming in and everybody in Iowa falling out on the power. I'm in. I'm, I'm all over that. And I've been, I preach that my whole life. But it's usually a little bit more low key. Because we want Superman, Batman, and Spider-Man, and all those guys. I did say last night I'm going to get a cape. If I thought it would help, I'll start wearing a cape. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Let's bow our heads for a minute before we go. Lord, we love you. We're amazed at the timing that we're in the church age just before God comes to the planet. I thank you, Father, for what you've said over this church, Lord, Pastor Michael and Pastor Joan, Lord. Their, their uh, obedience to come and, and bring the gospel to this region, Lord. We thank you for a season of increase, a season of overflow. We thank you for the glory of the Lord, soul swept into the kingdom. We thank you for it, Father. What a time. We surrender our hearts now just before we leave to do your bidding, to lay aside the things of the flesh and to put forth the destiny and the call for all of our lives. I thank you for blessing every household. I call them blessed in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen.